Please stand with me, if you're able, as we read the first half of our passage, 1 Kings chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. Afterwards, I'm going to announce, this is the word of the Lord, if you agree with me, I want to encourage you to say, thanks be to God. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed And made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon used on that altar. I'm sorry. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, and ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness in righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this is the last time I'm going to preach for a bit. And so... I just want to take this opportunity uh, to remind you, if during this sermon you say out loud, amen, uh, I won't be offended. 
uh, I may be encouraged. Um, but I don't want you to say that after I say this next sentence. It's hard to trust people in authority. It's hard to trust people in authority. We, we've seen that time and time again. Even, even the young children here, if they think about what I'm saying, they will know it is hard to trust someone who has the authority to tell them no, to enforce a no to them. Because we know that whenever a person gets power and influence, it is just way too easy for people to misuse that kind of authority. We come to 1 Kings chapter 3 and Solomon is the third king of God's people, Israel. But there's something you should know, and that, that is that this, this book was actually written not in Solomon's day. It was actually written to a people who lived hundreds of years after Solomon. So you should think, why would God feel the need to include this for those people? Those people who already had experienced what heartache comes when you get the wrong guy in authority or lots of wrong guys in authority. They had experienced that. All these stories of ungodly kings, they had already dealt with. And yet God thinks that they need to know, and I trust that we need to know what kind of king we need and how we should treat that king that God gives. I want to summarize it for you. God's point from this passage is that the people of God should give all our trust to him who's just. Look, look in verse 9 of chapter 3. When Solomon is given this opportunity, I'm sure you've imagined, what would you have said if God had said to you, ask what I shall give to you. And then Solomon says, give your servant an understanding mind so that I might govern your people. Discern between good and evil so that I can govern them. He's asking that he might be just with his authority. And then in verse 28, which we'll see in a little bit, at the very end of him Actually judging a situation, it says that all God's people recognize, finally, we have someone who judges justly. And so the title of the sermon is, Him Who Judges Justly. When God wants God, His own people to know who they need to lead them, they should know they need Him who judges justly. And then, and God gives them to us, give all your trust. To him who's just. Point number one is from the verses that we've already read. 
And it's a question in verses 1 through 15. Who can give him wisdom? Who can give him wisdom? And if you were paying attention at the beginning of the passage, the story starts in a way that is signaling to us that Solomon cannot give himself wisdom. That's what's going on in these first few verses. He marries the princess of a great nation, and you should know whatever he was thinking was, well, that's a a good idea for foreign affairs to make this kind of alliance. But, beloved, it's not a good idea for your soul. Because he starts living with an ungodly person. That is someone who has different gods than the God of Israel. And then he starts worshiping like the ungodly. That's what he's saying when it says that only he sacrificed at the high places. He sacrificed in the same ways as those people who worship different gods at the high places. That's what that means. And it won't be long before Solomon himself, after living with the ungodly and worshiping like the ungodly, will become ungodly. So it's not Solomon who can give wisdom to himself. And I don't want to overstate that point. Uh, This is a passage that is calling us to trust in Solomon. Calling us people to trust in a king like this. And yet this passage is very clearly not hiding his faults. And so at the center of the passage ultimately is a merciful God. A God who is uniquely committed. And you need to get this. He is uniquely committed not just to all sinners. Not just to his sinful people. But to this sinner, Solomon. Because he is the son of of David and the king of his people. And God comes and in verse 5, in a dream appears to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. I confess, um, this may be because I've got a bunch of little kids in my house. It may be because I'm a childish man. But I confess that the soundtrack I was hearing as I was studying this passage is, what shall you give a king? That's not even how it goes, is it? What can you give a king? This is why they don't give me a mic to sing. Uh, You know the rest of it? Just give him. No? No one knows what this song is? It's a Christmas song. Just give him your heart. This is is going poorly. Um, let me, let me put it to you a different way then. Um, if you think your wife is hard to shop for, consider Solomon. His Amazon wish list uh, would be really, really short. This is what I mean. Kings don't wait for what they want. Kings take whatever they want. So it's a very interesting question to ask a king. What shall I give you? But Solomon hears it well. He hears who's offering this. What shall I, God, 
who appears in dreams give to you. Yes, you're the king, but I'm God. This is so important what he asks for and how wise a request this is. God has something and Solomon knows this. God has something that great men can never take. He has wisdom. He has a special kind of knowledge. He has, as Solomon describes it in verse 9, the ability to choose between options that are good and other options that are evil. And he knows the person who's asking me this question has it and I can't get it unless he will give it. Knowing right from wrong is something that only God has And I want you to understand this. God only ever had it. Now, yes, it's true that every single person made in his image has an understanding that good and evil exist. We have an understanding that there is such a thing as good and evil. We do not have the ability to choose between what is good and what is evil. To decide this is good and this is evil. And that's not just because we're sinners. It's because we're not God. I want to prove this to you. Whenever God made the world and then made humanity, he said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of any of these trees except for one. You may not eat in the garden of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't get that knowledge to understand what is right And what is wrong? You got to come to me. It's my tree. And what did they do? They reached out and ate of that tree. And the text in Genesis 3 is really clear what it is that Eve wanted. Eve saw that the fruit was desirable to make her wise. The great problem with humanity is we think we know what is right from wrong. We think we don't need God for that. That is what makes us sinful, is that we think we don't need God specifically for what we need him most for, is to tell us this is what's right and this is what's wrong. Who can give to this king That kind of wisdom, that kind of knowledge. And that's what the king asks for. He asks for what the rich cannot afford. He asks for what the powerful cannot grab. He asks for what the diligent cannot earn. He asks for what the intelligent cannot acquire. And he asks for what the proud do not want. And that's for someone else to tell him, this is right, this is wrong. I'm not going to decide on my own anymore. I want God to tell me that so that I can govern his people. Now, you're not God's king, and neither am I. We're not even 
the governor of the great state. But you and I need wisdom. We need to know which of these options at work for this issue we're facing, which one is best. Parents are making choices all the time with their children. How to discipline, what discipline is needed in this situation, how to even understand what really happened in this situation, what schooling path is going to be best for them. We need wisdom. We need wisdom in the midst of Pride Month. When there are people celebrating who we're actually called to love. And we need wisdom if we're going to do that without dishonoring the Lord. We need wisdom to know how it is we should spend the money that we have earned. We need wisdom to know how we can keep commitments to Our family, commitments at work, commitments at church, without losing the the priorities that God wants for us. And the good news is, even though we're not the king, this same God offers us this same gift. This promise, listen listen to this in James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, the knowledge to choose right from wrong, let him ask God. Who gives generously. He will give it to you without reproaching you. He's called the giving God. And if your perspective is that he will give to me wisdom, then ask him and he will. But listen, every single one of you should want from God what no one can take for himself. It doesn't matter how many resources you have. You cannot have this without God giving it to you. And understand this too. If you don't live a life depending upon God for wisdom, just understand what that means about you. It means you're a fool. And you have no hope of being anything other than a fool. Because he alone has this. So depend upon him. And yet this is a passage. Not about us getting wisdom from God. It's whether we have. A wise leader over us. And so I return to the idea. That it is hard. To submit to people. The more you've had to do this, the more you've probably asked yourself, can I really trust this person? Can I trust them? When their motives seem so squirrely. Can I trust this person who's going to actually give me commands or hold me to something, even though they seem so self-serving? Even though their perspective seems so narrow and they're not listening to anyone else. Well, be encouraged that there are certain details included in this passage that God is pointing out to us to encourage us to give all our trust to him who is just. Look at verses 10 and 11, how God hears Solomon's 
prayer. It says, this is a king who pleases the Lord. And beloved, if there is a king who pleases the Lord in all of his standards, then he deserves our trust. And so the Lord responds, he says, since you asked for this, I'm going to make you wise like you asked me to, but I'm also going to give you riches beyond anyone else since you didn't ask for that. I do want to call your attention to verse 14 and how he he makes a distinction between one of these bonus blessings that he offers to Solomon in answer to prayer. It's about how long his days will be, how long his life will be. That one's different. God's not just going to give it. Solomon has to obey him. Because God has more, even God has more freedom when it comes to dollars than than he does with days he gives people. The wages of sin is death. And if Solomon goes on sinning, he's going to die. But God is pleased and answers Can you remember when God spoke again to a different king and said, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Beloved, a king who pleases the Lord deserves our trust. Another detail he includes here is that we can trust this kind of king if he doesn't spend his one wish On himself. Isn't this amazing? Look carefully at verses 8 and 9. He's not asking for something for him. He's he's talking about. How special God's people are. How many they are. And so he spends his one wish. To bless others. That's the kind of king. Who deserves our trust. And do you recall. When one king was dying. And some of his last words he says. Forgive them who are killing me. For they know not what they do. This kind of king is unlike any other person you ever are called to submit to. And you should happily give them your trust. A a final detail. Just to encourage us from this story. That if you find a king who is just. You should happily and quickly give him all your trust. There is almost no one in this entire world who we could pick out who is worthy of all our trust. And that's because it is so rare in this world to find anyone who doesn't trust in himself. Listen to Solomon, verse 7, I am too small, I am too ignorant. Verse 8, my responsibility is too great for me, I'm not good enough for it. Verse 9, you have to help and I, or I cannot do what you've called me to do. And so he says in verse 9, give me an understanding mind. Literally, that's a hearing heart. Literally, what he asks for is a hearing heart, and that's really telling. 
I need to hear from you. I can't just have this dream be the last time I hear from you. I'm asking you whenever I serve as king and my and your people need something, you got to speak to me then and give me a heart that can actually hear what you're saying. Solomon understands that if he's going to be wise, he has to have a posture of constant hearing of God's word and believing it and then obeying it. Not just hearing it, but a heart that hears and obeys. Then he will know the difference between right and wrong. Beloved, this, this is true for us as well. Hearing from God is going to reveal God in his character and then it's going to shape ours. That's how we can start making decisions about what is right as we hear more about God. And maybe you won't be surprised at this point that there's another king who these same words are spoken about. A king who is promised in Isaiah chapter 11. And we're told his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see. Not just by what his eyes see. He will not decide disputes by what his ears hear. He will listen to more than humans can hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. That is a prediction of the Lord Jesus. And so, beloved, God has given a king who is just. And the question is, will you give to Jesus all of your trust? Solomon prays, God promises to answer his prayer. And next, in verses 16 through 28, we get the proof that God has answered. Listen to verse 16 to the end of the chapter. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him, laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. And when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, the one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king. 
because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Who can give us justice? Who can give us justice? Maybe a small word to the Americans among us. That's all of us, I assume. Uh, And understand this, all my history comes from Hamilton, the musical. But um, we have a saying, in God we trust. And I think that saying originated because of a people who were breaking away from Britain. And by saying, in God we trust, what they were really saying is we won't give our trust to King George. We won't give our trust to any king. We're just going to trust God. If you're a Christian, I want you to understand that God is commanding you to trust his king. He does want you. You trust him by trusting his king. That's why it says it pleased the Lord that God, that that Solomon asked for this. It pleased the Lord to hand God's judgment over God's people to his king. Who can give us justice? Two prostitutes come to Solomon. And it's a she said, she said situation. And it's clear all we're getting is what they said. Because verse 18 makes the point three times in saying they were alone when all this went down. No one was with us. There was no one else in the house. In other words, we're trying to, we we need to understand there's no eyewitnesses coming forward. This judge is not going to have the kind of help that most judges we know have. And he's not being childish when he says, y'all can go halfsies then with the kid. But instead, he brings the death penalty into this case. And by doing that, the real mother stands up. And it's made clear because she said, don't, don't kill him. I love him too much to kill him. You can, I'll live without him, but don't kill him. And Solomon in his wisdom is able to decide the case. Showing that God answered his prayer and made his king, him who judges justly, to tell the people, this is the kind of king you need. And when you find him, give him all your trust. That's the point, beloved. And we should not rush past verse 28. This statement in here where it says that God's people now have a judge who judges in the wisdom of God. Because God had lots of judges who did not judge in the wisdom of God. God's people are not accustomed to finally having someone whose judgments will match God's judgments. Right before this period of time in God's history, in the time of the judges, What we're told over and over is that the judges did what we know today is true in our day. 
They did what was right in their own eyes. The people who had authority only did what they thought was good and what ultimately served them. And they were wrong over and over. And God's people suffered. The first king in Israel, Saul, this is a guy who has a, has a spear to kill enemies and he turns it on the righteous. Because the guy in authority there is un, is unstable because he's insecure. And there are lots of Saul's on thrones in our own homes and in our courtrooms and in every government position and in our own hearts. There is a Saul deciding based on insecurity. So when it says Solomon trusted God totally and then these prostitutes come and trust Solomon totally and then verse 28, all Israel hears about what happened and they stand in awe of the king because something really has happened here. Now we would only have to turn a few pages to the right to hear this about King Solomon, that he loved many foreign women in addition to the daughter of Pharaoh. And his wives turned away his heart from the Lord after other gods. The wisest man on earth turned out to be quite a fool in the end of bringing in people who deny God. And he starts trusting another God. We need someone far better than the one who they stood in awe of. And there is a son of David who came. And, and this we, we hear about him again from 1 Peter chapter 2. He, he filled his mind with God and endured unjust suffering. He committed No sin. And neither was deceit found in his mouth. When Jesus was even going to the cross, when he was reviled, he did not respond to those who were in authority over him by reviling them. He didn't make any threats when he was suffering. But instead, what he was doing was continuing to entrust himself to him who judges justly. Because he knew That what God said was right. Even though everyone around him was wrong. It was right for him. Who was holy. To die for sinners. And so he died for sinners. Bearing our guilt. On the cross. So that we might be. Freed from our sin and live to righteousness. And God exalts him. Church. God has given to us a king who never lived for himself. Even at that, that time where everyone would have said, oh, at this point you could be a little bit selfish. He never did it. He trusted him who ju- judges justly so much that he says, I don't have to do anything though they're going to kill me. Because there is someone who judges justly. I don't have to do it. They can kill me and he will do what's right. He will raise me from the dead. Jesus is better 
than the most wise king who ever lived. Solomon was worthy of their trust. And Jesus is more worthy, beloved. Because he is not just the one who trusted him who judges justly. He is him who judges justly. He's not just a human savior. What we're talking about when we're talking about Jesus is he is God the judge. God has entrusted to him to judge the living and the dead. And the Bible says he's ready to do it. And he's going to do it. He's going to do it. One day, all the other authorities are going to be gone. One day, all the other gods who people thought they should worship are going to be gone. And there will be the judgment seat of Christ. And he will judge us according to what each one of us has done, whether good or evil, and he knows the difference. So let me appeal to you now. Give all your trust to him because he's just. And to no one else, let me say something now to those who are here who are not following him with your life. For Solomon, two prostitutes walked in. Prostitutes. And one of them got mercy and justice at the same time. And the other one got justice. He gives to everyone justice. But the other one got shame. Let me say on behalf of Jesus. Ask him. Ask him what he should give you. Know this. He can give you what no one can take for themselves. I want to encourage you, don't leave here just asking him for wisdom for your life in this life. He can give you more than that. He can give you mercy, though you're sinful, and it will be right for him to do because he died for sinners. Turn to him and follow him. And for those who are here who do trust Jesus, give him all of your trust. That's why we have a... The story of someone who brings their baby to him. All their life is represented there in Solomon's hands. He gives her the child. And then he does what's right. They were right to trust him. Police forces and presidents cannot handle church shootings and school shootings. But Jesus can. Jesus is just. And you should trust him with your soul and with all of your sorrows. And only trust him. And and, and I I don't mean just trust him alone. I mean only trust him. Like that's all you give him. Just trust. Let him govern your life. When you have a dispute, bring that dispute to his counsel and his word and then do what he says. Don't make excuses about how you know a better way than him. Give him only trust because he knows what's right and you only think you know what's right. 
if you're nervous about what's going to happen. In those moments when it seems like the wicked are going to win this thing. When you've been waiting with the same prayer for years and years, all he deserves from you is all your trust. He knows exactly what assignments you need. Live like you're going to stand before him. Trust is all that Jesus Christ should get from his people. No mistrust, no reservations, no objections, no conditions, no delays. God does not ask us to trust any old man. We're to trust his son. Totally. Give all your trust to him who is just. Oh God, we pray that you would cause us to be a people who are so mindful of our King that all He gets from us is trust. And we pray that that would lead to peace and obedience and glory to Him because He deserves the faith of a people who know He will never do me any wrong. We pray this in his name. Amen.